Hey there, authors. Welcome back to the Prolific Author Podcast. How's everyone doing this week? I hope you've had a great week of writing. So I have a really fun interview for you today with author Connie V. Dowell. Uh, she is not only an author, she is also a freelance editor. So she's got some really great information for us on um, what to look for in an editor, what some red flags might be, different types of editing that you might consider. Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. Uh, but before we get to that, do you need clarity on your work in progress on whatever manuscript you're currently writing? Do you want to know that you've included all of the necessary points in your story to make sure that your readers connect with it on a deep emotional level and that way they will keep coming back to you for stories because you have changed them in some way. That is the only way to build a sustainable author business. So if you would like to get this clarity, uh, book a, a power hour call with me and I will help you get clarity on your story, where you need to go, where you need to be so that you can start growing a sustainable author business. Book that call at bit.ly forward slash power hour at 97. Um, beyond that, let's see. I have been doing lots of interviews this week. I actually did a lot of recording today, so I'm a little exhausted, but that's okay. I got a lot of work done. I have finally, I believe, finished that um, the project I've been working on talking about for like a month, the email templates. Um, so it's finished, but it hasn't been uploaded yet. I have to actually kind of get it onto the site so that it can be downloaded. But um, in the next few days, that will be done. And I will be really relieved to finally have that done. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all that I have for today. So let's just hop right into the interview with Connie. All right. Um, so we are here today with Connie B. Dowell, um, who is an author. How are you doing today, Connie? Doing great. How are you doing, Lisa? Good, good. Thanks for coming on to talk to us today. Why don't we start by just uh, have you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you write. All right. Well, I am uh, Connie B. Dowell. I am an author and a freelance editor, and I write mostly mystery. Uh, that's what I've published so far, but I've got some children's lit plans in the future, as well nice. as um, some nonfiction for authors. Good. Good for you. And the mystery, is it uh, like cozy or is it more dark and gritty? Oh, it's, it's very cozy. Um, cozy. Some, okay. some modern, some historical. Nice. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. And how did, you, how did you get into writing? Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get here? Well, I've written pretty much as soon as I knew what stories were, <laughs> according <laughs> to my mother. Um, I, was, I was the kid who was always asking for paper and pencils and crayons and staplers to make my own little books um, <laughs> and um, to date myself here. If I, if I felt particularly proud of my work, I would go through and individually rip off the dot matrix siding <laughs> of the pages. Nice. <laughs> yeah, some of our listeners probably won't know what that is, but others will. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> How fun. And then did you, um, did you hop right into this as a career as an adult or was there a little bit more of a process than that? Um, there was a bit more of a process uh, because I, I did have a sense early on that I needed to, to practice and learn for a good long time. Um, and I tried to kind of figure out what I wanted as a day job while I was still working on my writing. Um, and I dropped out of law school at one point, uh, which, um, was, which was at least good for, for story fodder if nothing else. For sure. <laughs> um, yes. I worked as a librarian, uh, a library assistant for a while. Um, but I came back to my love of writing through working in university writing centers. Uh, before, that's what I did before I jumped into writing and editing as my main gig. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Um, and so what is your process? How do you, how do you go about getting your books written? Um, so I, my process has changed a lot over time and I think okay. that's pretty common for most writers. Sure. Uh, I like, like a lot of folks, I started really as a pantser and realized pretty quickly that I could not finish a draft if I did not have any kind of plan, um, which led to a lot of studying craft and studying outlining, um, and how all of that worked. And then I became a very, pretty intense outliner. And now I'm something a little bit of both. I have a general plan most of the time, um, <laughs> but I can wing, the, the more books I write, the more I'm able to wing it. And I'm actually finishing up a book where I decided, okay, here's, here is the, the overall game plan, but I don't know who the killer is. Mm. And I'm going to write, all these suspects as if they did it. And slowly as I write, winnow out who the killer really is. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's, I think that's a, a really interesting approach to write every single, I, I mean, specifically for mystery. I don't know that this would necessarily apply to other genres, but it's, uh, specifically if you're writing a mystery, to write every single character as though they might be mm -hmm. um, the killer or the bad guy, because that kind of automatically makes them red herrings. So that's, that's kind of fun. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, it's something that I've heard a couple of other mystery authors doing, and it always kind of intimidated me until I, <laughs> I got a little further along. Um, obviously, you can't write every single character like that, or it would be way too many suspects, but you can pick a handful and say, okay, it's one of these people, but right. I don't know who. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's a great tip. Um, so can I assume your process changed a little bit around having children then? Um, definitely. Uh, the doubling down um, on the planning and getting, just getting more experience helped a lot with you know, having children underfoot because you, it, it's much harder to, to pants um, and to, <laughs> to not know where you're going when you've got chaos already going around you. It, it's, right. it's something that you can easily control. You can control your plan for your own books, even when you can't control your children's behavior. <laughs> um, but in terms of like, like actually getting the work done, the process changed a lot more because I had to be very careful with my time. Um, mm -hmm. I leaned in hard to writing sprints, um, to pre-writing a scene even, and I still do this even though I'm, I'm semi-pantsing my current work in progress is that before I write a scene, 
I will kind of generally sketch out where it's going. Um, and that allows me to write faster. It also helps if you, um, if you do any dictation, um, mm -hmm. because man, not knowing where you're going and having a recording, you know, right. having the mic in front of you is, is kind of nerve wracking, but, um, it, you, I find, uh, yeah, it's much easier to dictate when I have a general idea of where the scene's going. Yeah, for sure. And so do you dictate, how much of your writing do you dictate? Um, it's, it's really varied a lot. Um, I, I leaned into almost 100% dictation for a long time. Um, the last book I published, I, I backed off completely because I didn't, I got tired of, of um, correcting everything. <laughs> Um, it was just too, too much to clean up, but now this one I'm, I'm kind of doing maybe half and half. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I do dictation too. So I'm, I'm always curious about how other authors use it and you know what they do with it. Yeah. It's a trade-off because it's so much faster, at least for me, mm -hmm. than my hand, using my hands, but the accuracy is just not, not there. So there's a lot more yeah. cleanup. Yeah, that's, that's what I find, too. There's kind of an extra step because you have to edit the transcription. But overall, I use it almost 100% because even with editing the transcription, I just find that it's still faster for me. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. I can, it's, it's a whole other skill to acquire to, to have to do that. And it can be just as frustrating as regular writing at times. I can. <laughs> All right, so let's, um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your editing. How did you come to be a freelance editor? Um, well, I, I started while I was working um, in a university writing center. Um, I had a colleague who was a freelance editor, and I kind of piqued my interest as something like maybe I could do on the side. And so I took my, my training from writing center work, and I took a, a, an extra course or two to, to shore up my knowledge. And then I started doing that just, just here and there in 2013. And for a long time, it was here and there um, with a big gap while my children were very, very small because I, I could, I could eventually I realized, okay, I can only, I can write or edit and parent, but I could do all three during, while, while having two babies. Right. <laughs> it just was a little too much at that point. But now mm -hmm. that they are older, uh, starting about a year ago, I reopened my doors for editing clients and um, I'm now editing pretty consistently. Good. Have you, have you found a, an uptick in, in people who are needing editing during Corona, especially? I know there's a lot of things that have gone online. So have you found your business has gone up? Um, I'm not sure if it's affected by Corona or if it's been affected by, my, by um, the, the cumulative effects of the year of marketing. So it's hard to make yeah. that, yeah, that judgment call. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So what tips would you um, give to writers who need to find editors? You know, what, what are your tips for um, finding and acquiring a good editor? Yeah, so it's important to understand the different levels of editing um, and what you're expecting and what your editor is providing to understand what these services okay. are. So to, to big, the biggest difference would be um, developmental editing versus those later stages of editing. Um, developmental editing is big picture stuff. You're looking for feedback on story, on character development, um, on, on all those big things that would require big rewrites. That's why it's 
a, a level one edit. Um, it's something you don't want to do after you've had a copy edit because then you've just undone all the work that was done because you might have right. to go back and rewrite large portions. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that is the one half of the split. The other half would be um, things like copy edits or line edits. Um, different editors define those differently, but a lot of times, for me, they, they, they are one service, um, but it's important to kind of look at exactly what's being provided if when someone says copy edit or line edit or proofread. Um, are they going to be looking at the structure of your sentences? Are they going to be double checking any facts that seem weird? Um, or are they just look, are they looking for grammar or are they just looking for typos? Um, mm -hmm. Because yeah, understanding what they're providing is important to, to getting the result that you want back. Um, right. That's kind of the number one thing is to understand what this editor because if you come into it, and I've heard of clients, um, I've had clients come to me who, like, they got a copy edit, but they didn't understand what edit, copy edit meant. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're like, but I, the, the, the editor never provided me any suggestions on how to organize this. And all of my, my beta readers are saying, this needs better organization, that my thoughts are scattered, but the editor didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. Like, well probably because they said, sure, I'll give you a copy edit. And right. there, was a, there was a miscommunication. So that's yeah. the first thing, is to understand what kind, of, what kind of editing you're looking for and what kind of editing that the service provider is actually providing. Yeah, so, so definitely communication with the editor yeah. is, is big. Yeah, it's big. Um, I'd also look at testimonials. Um, and I would ask if you have a long work, um, if you have a novel length work, ask for a sample, a sample mm -hmm. edit. That's very common to do. Um, it's something that I do with any novel length work. Um, it, obviously, it would, it's not as super possible to do like a thousand word sample on a picture book edit because that would be <laughs> the whole picture book. But right. for a novel length work, that's, that's something that's it is pretty common and might actually be a little bit of a red flag if they won't do that. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So do you offer yourself, do you offer all the different levels of editing? Yeah. So, but my, um, I offer developmental and copy editing and on request proofreading is not something that I pursue as much, um, and haven't had as much request for it, but I do offer all the different levels. So, this is just kind of a personal inquiry for me. How do you get a lot of people, do you get a pretty even split with what people want and are willing to pay for? Do you have just as many people asking for developmental as copy editing or do you find that it, it leans one way or the other? Um, and it's, again, it's hard to judge exactly why this is because it's hard to know whether it's due to demand or it's due to, um, what I best know how to have learned how to market. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, but copy editing is my bread and butter. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because there's a higher demand for copy editing or if it's because I'm better at reaching copy editing clients. Yeah. And I think it, I, I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both. I, I, I've noticed that authors, they tend to push back a little bit sometimes on developmental editing. They feel like they kind of know how to do that. 
and a lot of them don't, <laughs> but they think they do. You know? <laughs> so that's why I was wondering if you get if you get as much developmental editing. And I think when people think of editing, a lot of times they don't think of storycraft. They are only thinking of typos and sentence structure and things like that. So that could be that could be why too. But that's yeah. really interesting. Um, well, you talked about them not wanting to, you know, a, a red flag if, if they don't want to do a sample edit for you. Are there any other red flags that people should look for when looking for an editor? Yeah, um, I'd say red flags, and you know, I don't want to call out like newer editors who don't have lots of testimonials. Um, mm -hmm. But you know that if they're newer, then their their price should be a little bit lower, and they should definitely be willing to do a sample so you could get that judge of their um, of their abilities. But yeah, if they're they don't have they don't have any testimonials, they won't do a sample. They don't have you know, they don't have that much experience. That's something to kind of look out for. Um, you can also just kind of do some searches. There are places like um, Predators and Editors or um, Writer Beware. I haven't actually seen that much um, on either of those two organizations slash sites about you know, unscrupulous freelance editors or something. Um, yeah. But but it, but anyway, you can check it out. You can check out that person and see if, if people are, are saying, you know, oh, they took my money and, and ran. Um, but which actually brings me to a red a red flag is that nobody should be asking for you to Venmo them any money or doing PayPal as now PayPal can be legit, but PayPal as friends and family um, because that means they're trying not to pay. pay PayPal to handle their transaction, and that's super sketchy. Um, it, it, it's either super sketchy or it's an indication that they don't understand the business, right? Um, which is also a red flag. So how do you how do you then um, so that people kind of have an idea what to look for? What kinds of what platform do you use to um, do the transaction with your clients? Is it is it just Facebook, or I would imagine something like Stripe, or like what kinds of platforms should they be looking for from legit editors? I actually did used to use PayPal. Um, PayPal is used by legitimate businesses. I don't want to, to badmouth right. PayPal. And, and uh, as long as they, they are treating it like a business and not asking for offensive family transfer. Um, I currently use Agree to handle both contracts and payments. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty new to being with them. I've been happy with it so far. But yeah, this eliminates a little bit extra paperwork. Nice, nice. Great. Um, so what are your then plans for the future? You continue to write and edit or do you have anything big projects that you're excited about on the horizon? Um, oh, I have big plans way down the road. But for, <laughs> for now, um, keep writing, keep editing and double downing on doubling down on those parts of my business. Um, and actually, as a word of advice to people who yeah. Um, are writing with very small kids or are starting a business with very small kids around. Um, there's lots of stuff that you could do to make it easier on yourself. Um, and I list them in my, my free ebook, Writing Without Child Care. Um, but another thing that I, I am, I'm listening to my own advice in this one, event, you will, you'll hit a growth ceiling. And if at all possible, you can get some child care and do it you know mm -hmm. it, it, 
eventually you'll get to a point where you can't you can't grow your writing output anymore you can't grow your business anymore right. without a little bit of relief um and that's that's actually where i'm at right now so looking yeah i think that. that's that's one thing that a lot of authors kind of have to learn um it, it, because it's not even an author thing per se it's an entrepreneur thing you know you have to be willing to pay people to help you out because you always hit that growth ceiling so whether that's getting childcare or getting a housekeeper or even just paying a va to help you do some of your you know author tasks you know that's something that i think uh, that's that's good advice people need to if they want to grow their business they need to be willing to um yeah. kind of open their mind and take that into account so yeah very wise yeah. words yeah and it doesn't have to be like as big of a step as you might be a, like like when i thought about okay uh, now i'm thinking about hiring a part-time nanny gee it's gonna have to be like 20 hours a week and how much do I, no like maybe if it's if it's like too unreasonable of a step but you feel like you're at a growth ceiling see if you can make move that step down a little bit and mm -hmm. then when i thought about how much money i want to have in the bank before i hired somebody at nine hours a week i was like oh that's doable mm -hmm. that's doable and it would give me nine extra hours right right for sure for sure um, so because, you know, we're on the prolific author podcast, what do you do, which you might have already answered this and that's fine, but what do you do to help yourself be more prolific in your writing? Um, sprints are like the biggest thing. Writing sprints are the biggest thing. Um, and mm -hmm. I love a program called Write or Die. Um, mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that one? I'm not. Um, Tell us about it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's available as a web app and there's also a desktop app that I think is, is pretty low cost, less I check maybe like 40 bucks or something. Um, but it's a program where you, you type your, before you start typing your words in, you set how long you wanna write, how many words you're going to write, um, at a difficulty level. <laughs> and the difficulty level will determine the consequences if you stop writing for too long. Ah, so you're typing away and if you pause too long, um, on the lower settings, you might get a flashing red screen, some annoying noises. Unlike the hardest setting, it'll start eating your words. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. so talk about motivation to keep going. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. I will, I'll look that up and I'll, I'll try to link to it in the show notes so that people can check it out if they want. But it's, but it's also kind of fun if you can kind of make it into a, a competition with yourself or a game that it's more enjoyable than sitting around feeling like, Oh, I didn't get my words done or, you know what I mean? So I, I, I think, um, I would encourage something like that. I think that's fun. Um, all right. Well, Hey, thanks so much for coming to talk to us on the podcast today. Do you have any last minute, um, advice you want to dispense or, or words for, for aspiring writers? Um, yeah, I'd just say that, in terms of um, writing achievements and, and productivity, like you are, you are your own benchmark. Never compare yourself to what other people are doing. Um, don't think, oh, I can't write as much as this person. I can't achieve as much as this person. So I'm not a real writer. If, if you can, I mean, you are like a solo runner. You're just trying to beat your own best time. Um, yeah. I, I really like that. You are your own benchmark. 
That's great. So um, you have a podcast as well, a writing podcast. Why don't you tell us about that? I do. Um, I have a writing podcast called Book Echoes. Um, and uh, it's about half interviews um, with folks on different aspects of writing, publishing, uh, marketing, living the creative life, etc. Um, interspersed some tips episodes, which are a little bit shorter. Um, and you can nice. find that at bookechoes.com. Great, great. And where else can the people find you and your books? Um, you can find uh, my mystery book site, which needs an update, um, <laughs> at honeybedowell.com. Uh, books are on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other places you find books, <laughs> pretty much. All the, all the retailers? Great, all great. Retailers, so. All right, well, everybody go and check out uh, Connie's books and her podcast. And thank you again so much for talking with us today, Connie. Well, thanks for having me on. Sure thing. Best of luck with your writing. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.